Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's play two. Welcome in, Cubs fans. This is the latest edition of the Cubs Talk podcast. We are in the virtual podcast studio powered by PointsBet. I am James Naveau from NBC Chicago. And with me, as always, and actually at NBC Chicago on a day I'm not there, it's Nate Poppin who's putting together the Thursday sports packages over there. Gets to do some riveting White Sox content. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess talk about what was... um kind of a dud finale for the Cubs today in Milwaukee as they split a key four-game series against the Brewers, led early in every single game, and yet just could not get more than two wins. So they find themselves eight games out of first place, uh, still six games behind Milwaukee. Um, Yeah, there's really, there's a lot we can get into, but I think that what we can do here first, Nate, is just kind of get you started on your overall thoughts of the series and kind of where it leaves the Cubs now that they uh, only won two out of four against the Brew Crew. I mean, you got to love what you're seeing with most of the games being one-run games. You know, it it feels like they're in all these games. However, the fact that it's happening against a team that has historically, this season at least, struggled to score runs in the first place with the Brewers, Mm -hmm. it's a little concerning to think that we're, we're in this position where, you know, we come back and tie tie a game like we do, and then we're putting uh, relievers that have struggled this season into high leverage situations. Granted, without leads, but at the same time, you know, if it's five five in the ninth, I'm the first guy I'm going to is not Michael Former. You know, this season especially. So, but I mean, there 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 are little uh, you know silver linings to this game. Uh, the, the most recent game, anyway. You know, Cody Bellinger hitting his first home run since. April is really nice. The the other extra base hit as well. Um, but it's just, it, it's good to see the fight, you know, especially late innings. Uh, it, it's good to see, to be reminded of what this rivalry once was and to have kind of the, the barbs going back and forth, uh, especially with David Ross, the uh, post-game comments, the fiery, you know, uh, going after the umps. It kind of reminded me of, you know, circa 2003 to 2009 you know the the kind of the 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 heart of that you know whole, whole cubs brewers rivalry kind of harkened back to those days because i mean if we're being totally honest the the 15 to 19 brewers were not exactly you know knocking on the cubs door when when they were actually out there winning playoff series well aside but, 
the uh the the big christian yelich right 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 yeah yeah um but outside of that you know one standalone but i mean yeah like i said there's there's silver linings to it it's just you would have loved to come out of there taking three or four um you settle for the split in wrigley north and just hope that the next time you go up there they don't close the dome on you halfway through the game so yeah, it was that Tuesday's game, and I definitely noticed how they were kind of manipulating the uh, roof. They closed like three quarters of it at first, and then they closed it the rest of the way, and they did that all in the bottom of innings. And I can probably see why David Ross was a little bit uh, worked up about some of the calls, the William Contreras non-call on the potential interference by running in the ba- out of the base path. I thought that was an outrageous missed call. I saw it happen live where he was in the grass the whole way. And I was just like, how on earth is that not like you have to call that like that is textbook interference and he didn't get called for it. I mean, that was kind of a recurring theme throughout the series. There were a lot of really weak uh, strike three calls or ball four calls Had another one today where Victor Caratini walked on what was a thousand percent a strike and it ended up leading to a four run inning for the Brewers. So I, I echo your sentiments about the Cubs fighting through a lot of adversity. And I feel like there were definitely some things that were good that you can take out of the series. But unfortunately, where the Cubs have put themselves after their recent run of poor play, getting swept by the Phillies, losing two or three to the Guardians, losing that game in London against the Cardinals, they've put themselves in a position where they no longer can just be content to say that this is a moral victory, right? Like they can, they're no longer in a spot where they can afford to cough up a game or two this is a team that if they have real aspirations of competing in what's been a really rough central division this season they simply cannot keep losing games the way they did on monday blowing a six-run lead they cannot afford to lose a game like they did today where they stormed back and immediately gave milwaukee back the lead when victor caratini blasted a home run like that just it's not something that can continue to happen. And yet here the Cubs are. They're having trouble finding a lot of reliability in their bullpen. I mean, Edward Alzali was great last night, but Tuesday he coughed up the runs in the ninth inning and allowed that to go to extras. Thank God they had Daniel Palencia there to kind of clean up the damage. But um, it, it just, it seems, it seems to me like this series was a really good kind of a microcosm of the Cubs season, right? Where it's just a lot of fits and starts. You're not really sure how anything's going to go. Monday, as I said, they blew the six-run lead. They weren't able to add on to that lead at all the remainder of the game. It ended up costing them. Tuesday, they somehow miraculously pulled out a win thanks to Ian Happ making two incredible throws from the outfield. Wednesday, again, they were down to their last out, and they ended up scoring three runs in the ninth inning and winning that game. And then today, the the blowing of the lead against the Brewers again. And just this has been kind of the theme for the Cubs is that they haven't been able to find kind of that consistency. And here they are still eight games back in the division of the Reds right now. And I think barring some sort of a miracle in the next few days, I just I can't see a scenario where the Cubs are going to be justified in, you know, blowing the doors off anybody and trying to acquire a bunch of talent at the deadline. I'm not saying they're going to go into full fire sale mode. I'm sure we can discuss that as this goes on, but yeah, it just seemed like this series was a big opportunity for them to potentially gain some ground on Milwaukee, keep pace with Cincinnati. And they just, they straight up weren't able to do it. And I think that we've been talking for weeks now about not exactly knowing what the Chicago Cubs are and kind of having to figure out like their identity and who we should expect them to be. 
I, I think we have to expect them to be like a 70, 75 win team. I just, I don't think that they've got the horses right now to continue to play the way they played. And I think they're just, I, I can't see a scenario where they're coming back to win the division. Um, if you can disabuse me of that notion, I open the floor back up to you, man, because I, I feel like after this series, you just, it's hard to make that argument. No, I'm, I'm right with there with you. I, I don't think you can reasonably make the argument that at the end of the season, this is going to be the best team, you know, in this division. Cause you look, you look at the trends, you know, the, the Reds, obviously, you know, you, you, you win a dozen games in a row. That's, that's exactly why you are where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've had the Brewers kind of middling around right at the top of the division. Most of the season, they've either been two games up or two games back or three games up or three games back, kind of bouncing back and forth. Uh, they've obviously got enough pitching to get it done. They just, you know, don't have the time in hitting. I think you, you're right with this being you know, this most recent Milwaukee C's, C series being kind of a microcosm because bullpen struggles and at times lack of clutch hitting. And, you know, we, we, we were told through the first two months of the season, you know, by coaching staff and by GM and, and by Jed Hoyer that at, at, at the at a certain point, this these guys are going to hit, you know, situationally, but they're still one of the worst, you know, clutch hitting teams by almost every metric in baseball, and we're, you know we're 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 almost to the trade deadline now. Like, I don't I don't know, I don't know that it's going to look any different when we get to August than it does right now, as far as you know, certain guys hitting in certain clutch spots now. You know, you, you you've had to deal with a lot of injuries. You know, the the Bellinger one I think sticks out the most, where yeah. he's finally he finally seems like he's getting right. But is it is it going to be too late? Is it going to be to the point where maybe he's auditioning for another team as opposed to trying to decide what you're going to do with him extension wise? Because I mean, we were we were on that train back in back in April. I think everybody was ready to talk about hey. We took a flyer in this guy. We figured something out, or he figured something out. Something, something clicked with the the Cubs hitting coaches and Bellinger through the first month of the season. And then now we're at this crossroads now where do we really know, you know, what the future holds for a lot of these guys that were were rental players? And it just, you know, back to back to the microcosm thing, just the bullpen struggles to me is just it's the whole, it's the whole season. The whole season is typified by, you know, the the experienced guys in the bullpen, the guys who should, you should look at the basket back of the baseball card and be like, that's what we get. The box burgers in the in the Fulmers of the world, not exactly working out. And you you saw that rear its ugly head again, you know, on, on Thursday in the last game of this uh, Milwaukee series. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I just I just keep the faith maybe at, at a certain point. And I don't think they're going to like yeah, have a huge sell off by any means, no. but I don't, I don't think everybody that's on this roster right now makes it through, you know, the deadline. Well, I think you know, they're I, I think the thing you have to ask yourself about a sell off is, yeah, you want to try to evaluate your options, especially with a guy like Marcus Stroman, who we've seen reports come out recently. The Cubs are not convinced they're going to offer him a contract extension. I think that, 
letting him walk for absolutely nothing. And it would be absolutely nothing because they cannot give him the qualifying offer because he received it from the Mets, I believe, in the 2021 season. Right. And when you think about that, that they literally cannot do that with him, I think it would be complete malpractice for Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins to not only not sign him to an extension, but then get nothing for him. So I think that that's a guy that you'll end up letting go. I think Kyle Hendricks, I think there's a good argument to be made that he could potentially land with another team. There are plenty of groups out there like the Giants, the Reds, the Phillies all come to mind that are going to be looking for starting pitching help come trade deadline time. And I think that Kyle Hendricks has earned the right if he wants to go out there and try to compete for another World Series ring. I think that he has shown that he's absolutely earned that. So I think players like that, you're going to definitely see be floated in terms of trade proposals. But I think that another thing you have to kind of keep in mind, if you're the Chicago Cubs, you have good organizational depth with your prospects. I think I would argue that you probably, you know, you have one or two super high end guys. And I don't think even for a guy like Marcus Stroman, because of that opt out clause in his contract, I'm suspicious and kind of skeptical that they're going to actually get a top tier, like, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong type prospect for him. I think it's a lot more likely you get maybe a team's like fourth or fifth best prospect and a lottery ticket for him. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation that you've only going to, you're only guaranteed to get this dude for half the season. And then he could potentially opt out and become a free agent. So I, I think that the Cubs are, they're not going to go into full fire sale mode, but no. I think that at least going to kick the tires on some of those guys. And I did want to ask you, like I originally was going to lead off with this question on this, you know, particular answer, but I had to throw a few things out there first. Do you think that how worried are you about Marcus Stroman with the struggles he's had his last three starts? I think he's given up something like nine earned runs his last three outings, maybe more than that, actually, like he gave up four more today, but I'm just curious from you, Nate, like how on a scale of one to 10, how concerned are you about the performance of a Marcus Stroman? Because, I mean, I think that after these last three starts, I think it's totally warranted to be like, mm, if we maybe kind of hit the crest of the hill with him, at least in terms of this season. I think that's a totally valid argument to be made. I think when, when you consider someone with his track record, you know, historically, he's been a guy around, you know, mid three ZRA for his career. Uh, He's never he's he's been the top of the rotation guy, but at the same time, you know, when when your your career high for wins is thirteen, I don't know that your your best ball is ahead of you in your year thirty three season either. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, you know, it, it's great that he's that he's you know leading the league in in starts and you know the the ERA is as low as it is. You know, all the quality starts that he that he kept racking up until these last three. I just feel like. It's more like a uh, uh, fr from a uh, what it means perspective as opposed to actually, you know, what he's going to provide on the field. Because I think I think this rotation going forward, you know, because I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a contender this year, obviously. But going forward, what does a Marcus Stroman mean to you know a mm -hmm. rotation for a future twenty four or twenty five Cubs team? Yeah. Is can he be a linchpin or, or are we more looking at like, uh, you know, Justin Steele jumping up to vaulting up to the top of that rotation? Are we looking at, yeah. you know, more like Caleb Killians and Wisniewski's of the world, uh, 
you know, Franklin Brown, whoever, like, I, I don't know what they, what their timeline is for some of these guys, because it seems, it seems like, you know, organizationally that there are a few guys that they're, that they're kind of rushing through, uh, the minor leagues, but yeah, it, the, the question then on Stroman, you know, is, is if you do, if you do resign him to a three-year deal, like, what are you going to get? You know, the, the White Sox are going through this right now with Lance Lynn. Like, yes. what do you, what are you going to get out of this guy at age 36, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe possibly even age 37, like, you know, Kyle Hendricks is having a great year this year, but that's few and far between. I, I just, I don't yeah. see, I don't see the future of, of Stroman being, Hey, I'm going to win 15 games the next three years and, and be your ace. Cause you know, like I said, he, he's, he's usually been about a 10 game, 12 game winner across 162 games. I think ultimately the question you have to ask yourself is, would you rather have Marcus Stroman or would you rather go out? And I know everybody's talking about Shohei Otani yeah. being like the premier pitcher, of course, like probably the greatest free agent pitcher we're ever going to see but uh, hit the market. But you also have to keep in mind that guys like Julio Urias, Lucas Giolito, Jordan Montgomery, Sonny Gray, all those guys are going to hit the market this offseason. And there are probably some guys on that list that I would definitely be more intrigued to see the Cubs throw money at maybe than a Marcus Stroman. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be upset if they re-sign him. Like I think that the contract, it'll be good for the first few seasons. And I think they are, I do think they are serious about trying to compete next year because quite frankly, if they don't, I think you're going to have to start asking some uncomfortable questions about the direction of the front office and Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins' future with the Cubs. Like, I genuinely think if they're not competitive next season, I think that you eventually have to consider making a change. And I think that if you evaluate it from that perspective, I definitely can see why they're kind of leery of giving Marcus Stroman that money when some of those other options are out there. But, and this is a big but, we have to remember what else has happened to guys they've given these contracts to because – there's some dude named Jamison Tyon who is pretty dang lost right about now. So I also understand the skepticism of Cubs fans of kind of bringing in an unknown quantity when you have had Marcus Stroman pitch well, and he has said he does want to be here. So it's a really interesting uh, situation they find themselves in. Yeah. And some of those other names are pretty intriguing, uh, especially the Giolito, uh, Urias names, Martin Perez would be another one. Mm-hmm. Where I'd, I'd I'd kick the tires on that. He's about the same age as uh, as uh, Marcus is, but you know, he's he's having uh, quite the season down there with Texas. Yeah, like you know, you like like you said with Stroman, it it you don't want to wind up in a situation where you sign him for a three or four year. You know, I don't think it's going to be a four year, but sign him for a, a three year deal like they did with Tyon, and then where are you? You know, like a in a in a couple of years, mm-hmm. like you said, that guy's lost at on on the mound at this point and i i don't want to draw parallels to how they have built the team under theo too much you know if you like if you go back to the john lester signing and all that but if 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 that is kind of the the, the blueprint maybe they do you know decide to bring back stroman on uh maybe a more team friendly deal i don't know like i i, I just wouldn't want to go to sign for man yeah i mean i just i i wouldn't want to go past three seasons it's just track record on on arms 
Yeah. And especially, especially guys like him, you know, that, that have, that have struggled to stay on the mound in the past. I, I don't, I just don't know that, that yeah, you want to go, go barking up that tree when at the, at the same time, it's like, it's, it's been such an impressive season to this point, minus the last three starts. Yeah. You know, and, and then you ask yourself the question, what, what are the other options that, that they have coming up through the system? Then you got to dip your toe in the uh, free agent waters again, and those are all unknown quantities. So, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to answer any questions here. I I just have I have more questions than I uh, than I than I started with actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it it it's it's damned you damned if you do, damned if you don't. At this point, it, it's almost better. It's almost like the devil you know versus you know the stranger. Like I think that's probably where this is going to end up coming down. And I'm sorry to our listeners that we're not, you know, making big, broad pronouncements, but I think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty around the team. I think we've reflected it on these shows and I think that it's just kind of continuing and it really does seem like Jed Hoyer is going to try to push this as close to the deadline as he can to kind of try to figure out whether or not these are guys that they want to bring back next season, or if these are guys they feel like they can uh, get rid of. So We'll, we'll get into a little bit more of a happy discussion, like just a little bit here. But first, we want to tell you about our friends at PointsBet because fans, it is time to feel the power with PointsBet. With the PointsBet Power Hour, you can get boosted odds or bonus bets every single day. Whether you're into hoops or hockey, home runs or hole-in-ones, the power is in your hands. And new customers will also receive up to $1,000 in second chance bets. That is 10 straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in bonus bets. Download the PointsBet app today using the promo code SHITALK10. That is C-H-I-T-L-K-10. PointsBet, your move. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nate, I said we were going to talk about something a little bit happier. I suppose that's kind of a mixed bag because we found out today officially that Marcus Stroman will not be pitching in the all-star game in Seattle uh, next week. Uh, Dansby Swanson, we're going to get into the injury concerns the Cubs are having. Not 100% that he's going to play in the game either because of injury. So we may have just gone from three Cubs all-stars to one. But yeah. Be frank, I'm still really pumped that Justin Steele is going to be there. Very much deserves it. And frankly, Marcus Stroman agrees with me. He's got a legit argument to start that game. Oh, he totally does. I mean, he's it's it's one one hundredth of a point uh, better ERA than uh, or worse ERA. Sorry, than uh, than Clayton Kershaw right now. I mean, yeah. I think I think for for you know, the, the average baseball fan that's going to tune into the all-star game. I think the headline grabber is obviously going to be Clayton Kershaw starting the game, but I, I would agree with you. I think, I think Justin Steele should get the ball. I think uh, given, given what he's gone through this season and with a, a little minor blips with the injury, 
uh, and he's rebounded extremely well in his last couple starts. He's 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 proven to be you know that I don't know that he takes the maybe takes a step next year into being a, a top top rotation guy you know a top line starter, mm-hmm. but you you have to be very pleased with with a nine and two you know in in, in a two fifty six ERA. It's I yeah I mean you could make the argument for Kershaw you can make the argument for sorry for a, a Freed you know somebody like that but. You know, I'm a Cub fan, so yeah, I want to. I would prefer Justin Steele to uh, to be the guy to get the ball. I would say that first of all, even with Marcus Stroman not pitching, I know everybody kind of is leery of their guys, you know, showcasing their stuff in the All Star game because it's just more innings <laughs> kind of pile on. But I a thousand percent hope Justin Steele pitches. I think that his progression the last few years, I think he's been showing these flashes of being, you know, that top end of the rotation type guy, not necessarily saying an ace, but then again, they're very few and far between nowadays, but yeah, what even is an ace anymore? Really? Exactly. I mean, I think the definition of a number one pitcher is just that he, you feel like he gives you a chance to win every time he gets the ball. And I think Justin Steele absolutely fits that bill. I think that he's shown a lot of really good quality starts this season. And I think he would be, an extremely worthy guy to start the game. I will say that my perhaps my one hot take of this entire uh, podcast is going to be that I am going to continue to fly the flag for Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks to start the game. He's ten and three this season, three point one five ERA. The Diamondbacks are one of the coolest stories in baseball. They've got Corbin Carroll, who's been doing some phenomenal things for them this season. I think they could make some serious noise in the National League playoffs just based on the depth and the talent that that team has. But I I think that if you're looking for headlines and to celebrate like the teams that have really like made the most noise in the first half of the season, I would probably argue that Zach Gallen should get the ball first for the national league, but then hand it off to Justin Steele after that. Like I, I think he should pitch early in the game. And I think his contributions to the Chicago Cubs this season, this can't be overlooked. And he has been one of the best pitchers in the national league. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you you look at some of the other guys who are having, uh, you know, sort of unexpected seasons. Uh, Alex Cobb's pitching really well for the for the Giants. I could see him getting a couple innings, but I'm just I don't see them turning to him for, to start. So you know, I I agree with you. Galen kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, Steele makes sense. Kershaw makes sense. Outside of those guys, I just I don't I don't know that there's anybody else that I that I'd point to and go you know. Yeah. No brainer, you know, move on. Well, I, I do have to ask you before we move on to our final topic, which is more Cubs centric. I'm going to ask you, do you have a pick for the home run derby? I think they've got a really solid field this year. Um, I think that there's probably at least four or five guys who could potentially win it. Is there a horse you're riding for this thing? Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the is the first matchup, is it uh, Robert and Alonso? Uh, Rutschman. Rutschman. Rutschman, okay. So, yeah. I like I like uh if that if that was the case, that would be terrible for Luis Robert. I actually kind of like Luis Robert uh to go pretty deep. Uh many go deep many times, but go deep in the uh in the derby. Uh he's he's an excellent, I mean, obviously he's a world-class baseball player, but yeah, he, he hits a lot of mistakes. Uh and he hits he if it's over the plate, it's pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. Um so uh I'm curious as to how uh you know, it's, it's going to work out this year with a couple of the rule changes with the Derby. Um, yeah. But I'm also glad that Bryce Harper's dad's not out there, you know, throwing the ball 
before the <laughs> the previous one is hit again. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that that'll be nice to uh, to kind of curtail the whole uh, advantage that you know you had with people that you know, uh, people that you grew up with <laughs> your, your whole life mm -hmm. making the pitches for you. But yeah, I, I would I would go with I would go with Robert and and obviously Pete Alonso is a, a great call as well because. You know, he's, it seems yeah. like he wins every year he's in it. So, Trying to become the first guy to ever win three titles in that event. I think that he's probably my narrow favorite. I still really like what Vlad Guerrero can do. That guy could just get hot like nobody's <laughs> business in that derby. We've seen him hit dozens of home runs in the home run derby over the years. So I think that he probably will be the guy that I'll end up pulling for just because, like I said, Pete Alonso is sort of like evil empire in this thing. And also, I will dream of him someday, potentially uh, manning first base for the Cubs if he doesn't end up uh, re-signing with the Mets. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about something sad, and that's been the injuries that the Cubs have had pile up this week. We mentioned already Dansby Swanson has been – he was out of commission today – left Wednesday's game early with an ankle or with a uh, bruised heel. Nick Madrigal also on the injured list. Now the Cubs had to bring back Patrick Wisdom. I mean, you want to talk about a time where you really did not have to want to have to deal with these injuries in your infield. This has really been the time Patrick Wisdom has been struggling to find his form after that hot start he got off to this season. Swanson is such a glue piece in that infield because then you have to move Horner over and you invite a whole lot of questions about what you have to do in that infield this is just this was a very not ideal time for this stuff to happen and i i feel like this might be it, it might be contributing to a little bit of the death knell on the 2023 cubs if dansby is not able to get back into the mix in pretty short order yeah like i said uh, i death knell came to my to mind for me as well uh dansby is such a huge important piece of the chemistry of this team you know that the the backbone of the team really you know uh when when he got signed uh many of the experts many of, many of scouts said if he's your best player you're probably not you know a great team but if he's one of your five four or five best players and you know if you have a a couple guys similar to Dansby Swanson you have a really good team i i don't know how this offense or even the defense honestly uh looks going forward with him on the shelf because you know, he's, he's dealt with the heel injury before uh, at his previous, you know, previously in, in Atlanta. And if you're if you're missing him for an extended period of time, what what do you look like up the middle? Like it feels like it's been months since we've had, you know, we, we talked about at the beginning of the season how they built this roster with yeah. with solid defense up the middle. And it feels it, it just feels like we haven't. It's never really come to fruition all season long. You had you had a great month of it, and then it tapered off, and then you know so Bellinger's hurt. Then you know then you have your your struggles uh, on on either side of the ball in center field without him. And yeah, if if Dansby's you know vacates that spot, I I don't like obviously I I already don't like their chances in the division, let alone you know without Swanson without their you know their glue guy their all star shortstop mm -hmm. uh, it that that would doubt spell uh, a disaster for the rest of the season i i do <clears> think <throat> it's it's kind of wild how like madrigal being hurt does impact their depth in a really negative way they just have not been able to get anything out of third base this season outside of of course the few times that chris 
Christopher Morrell has played there. They've tried repeatedly to get Edwin Rios in there. That hasn't worked out. As we mentioned earlier, Patrick Wisdom has been still struggling coming back off of injury. Looks like the bat speed. I saw him in pinch hit in Milwaukee on Tuesday. And like to me, the bat speed just didn't look like it was there. It looked like he was a step behind every pitch that was being thrown to him. I, I mean, what I mean, what are you gonna do here? I mean, if you don't have Madrigal and you don't have Swanson, like that screws up the entire left side of the infield. You probably end up having to have Horner at short, third base. You maybe have to rely on, you know, Christopher Morrell a little bit more than you did before. Like you eventually have to call up somebody to play second base. Like it just that there's this like cascading element to all of this. And then you throw in the fact that they're still not getting any production out of first base. Jared Young, you know, he I don't really think he's going to be a long-term answer. I think they wanted to at least give him a shot. I think there are quite a few holes in that swing that are already being exploited. And granted, the Brewers <clears throat> have, they've got some solid bullpen arms. Like they're going to make some dudes look bad, but Jared Young would be a guy I'd be a little bit concerned about moving forward. I do, by the way, think Matt Mervis gets back up here at some point. Just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> I think Mervis, you you have to wonder to yourself if maybe the first go around here, like he maybe hit into some bad luck or just was in a bad funk. I think you eventually give him a shot later. But yeah, I just think the big the big thing that it ends up exposing with Swanson being out of the mix there are just too many parts of the lineup that you're getting nothing from right now. And yeah, Miguel Amaya Tuesday, like the way he was hitting the ball Tuesday, I'm like, man, you need to get that dude in the lineup more often. Of course, Jan Gomes had a home run on Thursday against the Brewers. I think that's a bat you have to have in there every day. But you look at the struggles of Aseya Suzuki, you look at the you know just complete ineptitude at first and third base in terms of consistent production at the plate. That you, you can't win anything when you only have four or five guys who are modest threats to do anything at the plate. And I think that this just exacerbates that. And yeah, I think that if you don't see Swanson again, you know, before the all-star break, or if he ends up going on the injured list, because he had this bruised heel injury before in Atlanta and missed an entire month. So, I mean, if that's the case, then yeah, I think that. Jed probably should uh, exercise a little less patience and restraint than he's probably going to exercise at this point and kind of try to get a little bit of a jump on the market because otherwise this could get um, very ugly in a real hurry. I mean, if he's out a month, I, I, I think you, you're going to see Mervis up very quickly yes. with this team because you need you need power from any position you can get it from at this point. Uh, first base has just been, you know, a, a, a total black hole for most of the season, uh, offensively and recently defensively, uh, you know, yep. the, the, the play that started the whole cascade of, of, uh, bad play, you know, recently here, the, the last game in, in London started with, you know, an aired first base and just kind of, everything's kind of been I, downhill from there. I just, a little bit of, uh. <laughs> inside knowledge of how this program works. I texted our senior video editor, Claire Philpy during the Tuesday game in Milwaukee. And I had had a few old styles in the parking lot. I'm not going to uh, say anything to the contrary for that, but I told her that every time Trey Mancini gets thrown the ball at first base, it's looking like he's trying to fend off like a swarm of bees. Like it just, <laughs> it looks like he wants absolutely nothing to do with it. And it's just is like the least fluid thing I've ever seen in my life. And like, I don't know if it's a, psychological thing or if this is just going to be like a long-term thing with him but 
yeah, you want to talk about black holes at first base. The dude's been struggling a lot at the plate, and that defense has just been downright putrid. So I'm pretty much – I'm game for anything. Heck, I'd yeah. even put Christopher Morel there at first base. There, I said it. Oh, yeah, I'd try that out. But I, I'd, I'd much rather see him – I'd much rather see Mervis at first, Morel at third. Just know that, you know, yes, you would struggle defensively. You know, both both guys are are, I would say, subpar – at yeah. those positions right now. Mervis can, I think, grow into it uh, defensively at first base. You know, there's there's less to grow into because it's less of an, an important position defensively. But at least you would know what you're getting offensively out of those guys at that point. Uh-huh. And, and, if you're, and if you're playing with house money offensively, you can kind of live with, you know, giving, the te- giving teams extra outs. Although, you know, it didn't work out well in London giving extra outs. So, uh yeah. I don't know. I I I think you 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 can rob from Peter to pay Paul at some, at you know a certain amount of times, but when your depth is tested the way that their depth is going to be tested over the next I'd say month, uh, maybe maybe hopefully it's just a couple weeks. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, Jed's going to have and, and Carter have, have some uh, some tough decisions to make uh, from the roster perspective coming up here. That they do, my friends. So before we wrap up this edition of the episode or the podcast, <laughs> I do I do want to offer you, first of all, the chance for any parting shots you'd like to give. But also, I'm curious, what are your plans for All-Star uh, break week? I know we're not going to have Cubs baseball on our TVs for four days. Like, yeah, you might get a Justin Steele appearance on Tuesday night. But what does a Nate Poppin do during the All-Star break? How do you fill your time? You know, uh, historically, uh I haven't done this in a couple of years, but I used to take a, a longer vacation right during the all-star break. So I just get out of town. Um, but I do enjoy watching the, uh, the home run derby. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I might, I might put just a, uh, a Chris Berman soundboard on somewhere and just hear back, 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 back all night. Uh, Cause I, I, I kind of miss, I kind of miss those days of, uh, of the uh, old school ESPN broadcasts where they treated every home run like it was unexpected. Um, well, I mean, you only got 10 outs back in the day. So like, right. you, that's you true. Know, I, I feel like it almost, I know this is going to sound really stupid. <clears throat> and I sound like an old fogey here, but the home runs almost lose their value when you're getting thrown a hundred pitches during each appearance. True. No, they, they do lose a little of their impact. Uh, it's, it's better for the kids out there shagging, you know, fly balls though, to have more stuff in, in play. But I do wish that they'd go back to, uh, the older format where mm-hmm. it actually meant more, you know, each swing meant more. Um, <laughs> the old, the old school broadcast was fun too. Just, yeah. uh, you know, less, I don't need it. I don't need saber metrics in my, uh, in my home run derby. Wow. I, I will say that I, I don't right. need to know the launch angle on things, just mashing taters and moving on. So, yeah. I, the, the whole like, you know, oh, well, the clock is, you know, you get the 30 bonus seconds and all those extra rules. I guess Nate and I both think that it should just be 10 outs and you either hit it out or you don't. Like, I think that, yeah, it's not the most, you know, it's not the best TV, but at least it's way less chaotic than what we're doing now. So now that I've said that, now that I've mentioned that I prefer the old school way of doing things, I do have to throw out that I also enjoyed some new school baseball over the weekend. I did get to go see the Savannah Bananas down in Indianapolis. So, nice. hey, Pop, and I guess the final thing I have to ask you is, party Ooh. animals. 
or bananas? Who's got the better hat between those two teams? Oh, I'd go, I'd go bananas. Uh, Trash pandas might be my favorite of all time. Yeah. Um, and then I forget which team it was, but they do uh, every once in a while. I think they do a homestand where they where they just have tacos on their on their uniforms, and they had a taco hat. I I, I can't remember which team it was uh, off the top of my head right now, but I, I've been after the taco hat for a long time. Uh, but I'd go with bananas hundred uh, percent because I, I just I really want the hat really bad. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say party animals, I think, have got the better look. As you can see, I bought both of the hats, added them to my rapidly growing hat collection. I'm <laughs> sure my wife is not thrilled to hear that. But you know what? That's going to be a topic and a uh, an argument, I suppose, for a different day. So this has been the latest episode of the Cubs Talk podcast. We will come to you guys during the All-Star break. We will break down the second half of the season, who we think could get traded, who we won't think, who we don't think will get traded. It's going to be fun. It's going to be sad. It's just going to be, you know, it'll be the rich tapestry of life written into a podcast form. So on behalf of Nate Poppin, I am James Naveau. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.